Hey, Napcasters! Before we begin this episode, we just wanted to let you know that we're going to be asking you to do some work in this episode. A lot of time, we are just kind of, sort of just talking at you as you listen on your walk, or maybe during your break. And today, we're asking you to intentionally pause and reflect. Reflect by yourself, with a colleague, maybe in a journal, maybe it's drawing, or however you think best. So, sprinkled throughout, we're going to ask you to pause this recording. Thanks for listening, and I hope these additional provocations can spark some food for thought. When we talk about culture, so much uh, of our time together, Nick, is, is spent talking about just like cultural racism, and you know, rightfully so. Um, and we <laughs> we will talk about that in today's uh, Napcast episode. But I thought maybe we can start with a slightly different uh, lens to to the cultural talk. And the inspiration for this episode is is actually from well the potential first firing of an NFL coach this season. And then, um, you know, University of Washington football coach got fired. And then your Washington State uh, University coach got hired. So there's just like a lot of things uh, in my head. And we went to the the game. I'm going to lose a lot of friends for this, but... Yeah, go Coops. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why my voice is all... All kind of funky. <laughs> Apple <laughs> cup. Anyways, uh, so it's, this is basically the time of the year where, where coaches are, are getting fired for not being the right fit. And I'm, I'm kind of seeing a parallel between that and ECE. Uh, it, takes, it takes time for leaders who are new to really assess the climate, you know, to, to meet everyone, to... To really start making their their imprint on the program, to making small shifts, and then to get their staff and in, in ideas in place so that they can come to fruition. And I think sometimes maybe we get into and I, and I might be projecting right, but I think sometimes we might be getting into dangerous territory when we as educators we just kind of assume new leadership is going to be like prior leadership and it's just going to be business as normal. We talked a lot about normal, right? Because my thoughts on normal is is different than your thoughts are normal. We all have different realities. Um, So I I really want to talk about culture and, and fit. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that childcare is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there. Yet, we are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine tune your skills and grow more in depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCasts are designed to help you learn on the go. Hear another perspective. Spark debate. (laughs) Heck, even agree with us. But honestly, remind you that you're not alone. 
We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. All right, let's talk about culture and <laughs> Um Yeah, you know, one thing that comes to my mind is oftentimes, I, I, there were a few times I think I've heard you say that, you know, culture is intangible. Mm-hmm. And I think in its, and, I, and I've disagreed with that because there's all these like things that are tangible to culture, mm. right? But I think maybe the way I see it is that all these things that make culture, yes, culture in itself is intangible, but mm-hmm. there's all these elements to it that then make it take form. Yeah. Right. And, and when we're, when think when something's taking form, how does that culture make space for things to fit in? And so when I'm thinking about, um, the vision of a place in a mm-hmm. cultural, mm-hmm. Uh, or in a cultural organizational cultural context yeah what is the overall vision and is that vision flexible yeah you know does it have some leeway for anybody who's coming in and out of it to to inspire change or does it stay pretty stagnant to its or rigid to its like vision you know and within that vision are there actionable ways that are um that the vision's being implemented Reflection question number one. What is your current organizational culture? Can you name it? Describe it? What does it feel like? Now, think of it from the viewpoint of your colleague. Someone on leadership. Your community members. Would they share similar messages? Now look at your organizational values and your mission statement. Maybe put that list side by side with what you wrote or what you said out loud. And compare and contrast the two. Does your current culture work towards your organizational values, and your mission statement? So when, when hiring people or firing people, we, we often cite like fits as something we are looking for. So I guess this NAPCAS, I want to speak directly for people who are entering into leadership about what do we actually mean by fits? So, tell me, when, when you entered your new position, how did you kind of figure out what was what, who is who, uh, in, in the culture at Daybreak? Yeah, um, a year ago, it, um, I felt like it was my duty to just uh, immerse myself in the culture, mm. right, before I... Um, before I allowed osmosis to begin, mm-hmm. right? So it's just like, just saturate myself in it and 
and now I'm always finding my ways of like allowing my imprint to kind of come out slowly but surely. And I think that is something um, directors and, and people in leadership positions need to be cognizant of their change management. That again, yeah, is your organizational vision is it flexible? You know, and I mean, you could say it's flexible. Yeah, but is it actually? Yeah, like, and how are how are people who have been involved with it going to allow some autonomy, but sticking to the vision and allowing um, some new, you know, new inspiration to take place and to take root, but still carry the vision? And you know, the biggest thing that I kept recognizing. Um, when I first joined in and immersing myself in the culture was that time, time is going to be our best friend and our greatest enemy. Mm. And that like, I always talk about things of time, right? Like time being the wisest counselor, time being the greatest healer, (laughs) like, because it's true in the thing that we, that we wish we had more of and that we also don't like is time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, when we, press ourselves against like wanting change to happen and at the same time not losing particular cultural components of the organization we get ourselves into this i think this whirlwind of like stagnity to some degree and it's kind of a weird thing to picture right a whirlwind of stagnation yeah (laughs) but i guess it becomes just this um this endless loop of like infighting it can become an, in, an endless loop of not going anywhere, and that's what I mean by stagnation. But there's still conflict to be wrestled with, and that's yep. good because conflict and and challenge brings growth for an organization. Absolutely. But you also need you know protocols to be able to like move through that, or at least some sort of system to be able to mm-hmm. keep conversing and unpacking. But anyway, when I joined Daybreak, it was um it was all about immersing myself before I found where my, my footing would be. Um, and I, and I wanted to know if I'm going to honor the culture here, well, what is the culture Mm. and what can I do to, to maybe enhance and, and pair, pair back elements of the culture and organizationally, not, not necessarily anything to do with, the indigenous and native side, um, but just the idea of, uh, like, I guess the business structure of it. Reflection question number two. Sometimes what we need is a fresh new perspective. And it doesn't always necessarily need to be by a new person. So. For this question, I want us to consider the narratives and the stories we have told ourselves about the organization. How has those narratives shaped our realities of the place we work at? Now, can you name someone else who has a different perspective or viewpoint? What are their narratives? And does the organizational culture, including its traditions, symbols, rituals, and more, 
provide them with the nutrients that they need in order to thrive. So you mentioned you you were there for a year before you even tried to. Well, I'm sure you made small shifts yeah. along the way, but before you actually were like, "Hey, here's our I don't know, I'm projecting five year plan, or here's our vision, or here's our growth." Um, so like kind of the larger things. That that really that takes some patience. <laughs> and did you also feel like you had to understand the culture of the organization as well as the culture of, of the, the indigenous culture there? Was there was that two similar parallel tracks or do you feel like they they competed against each other? Mm. Um, because you're you're also operating in where you have government regulations and, and, and red tape, which can sometimes see as an outsider, right? Sometimes sees as a contrast to indigenous, non-Eurocentric ways of being with children. Right. Um, you know, it was this, like, we want, we want to continue serving uh, urban natives and we need money to do it. Mm. All right. So then we go, we have, and, and, and continue to, you know, uh, carry a, a 90-10 model where 90% of our time and, and funding is spent going after grants and going after these things and 10% of trying to create our own actual financial sovereignty. Yeah. And, and just, you know, and it's interesting because in one hand, I hear like, we shouldn't be treated as charity cases. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, let's go. We don't have any money. Let's go. <laughs> let's go yeah. play this game so we can get the money. And uh -huh. it's like, there was a, there's, a, and I think similar to organizations like ours, like there's just a lot of catch 22s and a lot of, um, well-intending things. There's expectation. That's one thing that has come out with this year is expectation versus reality. Mm -hmm. There's an expectation to do X, Y, and Z, but the reality is we're dealing, we're working with, element op and so how do we make sure as an organization and myself as a leader um in the organization or i guess director in the organization to figure out how we're going to balance these things and and get us to a place that uh that we're thriving and not surviving you know and i think we've made some um steps there but for a long time from the organizational historical context, it feels like there's been more uh, just surviving. Yeah. You know, I like that, the expectation versus reality, because I expect educators to come in at 8 a.m., get, get the room ready, whatever time, right? And, and to do what they need to do in order to be ready for the first child at 8.30 or whatever time mm -hmm. it is. And... Sometimes I also forget about the realities that they are human beings, right? They have families. Their, their car uh, ran out of gas. Their mom's being annoying and this is affecting them and their moods and their things like that. So just holding those two parallel things in my hand to, because to, what we're trying to do and what I sometimes forget is that about the humanization of this work. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a, a big part of it, and especially when we're thinking about who fits into an organizational context. Like, are we, um, when when we're looking for someone, right, where there's obviously, uh, 
preconceived notion of who we want, Mm -hmm. what that person looks like. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that the human, the human qualities we take away from those actual realities. Yep. Like someone may be able to do some good grant writing, may be able to do uh, some good fundraising or, you know, has other connections and all the things in between that is maybe they're a single parent. Maybe they live 50 miles outside of the organization. Maybe a uh, remote learn, uh, remote, uh, remote learning, commuting, yeah. telecommuting kind there of thing. You go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just working from home. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to be more conducive to them. Or maybe uh, it won't be if that's the, something that like is of the job. So how do we, when we're, um, now we're not just trying to make square pegs fit in the round holes. Yeah. Right. How do we make sure if we are going to have an expectation of a square peg fitting into a, a round hole, how do we help that square peg like shave off some of the edges to, to be able to come in? Or how do we expand the the round hole? Exactly. Reflection question number three. The expectations of our work sometimes robs us of our humanity. The reality is that our world and our lives, they're sometimes messy. It's a mixed bags of things. Where in your practice have you lost that humanity? So much of our lives pre-pandemic acknowledged that our physical, biological, emotional, chemical worlds were so intertwined. What are you personally willing to do? What are you willing to give up, to alter, to grow, to challenge in order to restore the humanity in our food, interactions, programs, curriculum, outreach, language, Music, clothes, relationships, religion, and region, and more that you share within your community. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Mike. You know, the guy you spent a good 20 minutes just listening to. Nick and I love doing these. But do you know what's more fun? Doing these in person. And that's exactly what we've started to do. We've hit the road. Well, kind of, sort of. Because, you know, (laughs) COVID's still a thing. But we are now doing these workshops with organizations, being featured at conferences, and having these conversations with college students, high schoolers, and middle schoolers. And we'd love to come hang out with you next. If you want to bring us, you already know what to do. And that's drop us an email. I often think about, or think back, because we currently are living in the, the pandemic, but how for so long we've been like, hey, work looks like this. You have to be in the office. You have to do things like this. And when the pandemic shook up our world, we actually go, oh, no, actually, you can't work from home, or you can telecommute, or whatever that may look like, and how it's radically changed. 
And now I think about that when it comes to hiring. Are we so concerned about someone having a master's degree in ECE, or are we actually uh, interested in their experience? Can are we hiring someone who has um, supervisory experience, or during the interview process, are we just seeing how they interact with one another? Are they are they engaging? Are they Maybe charming isn't the right word, but like, are are they responsive to the things that are happening at the table, or are they coming in with, here's the things that I gotta say, and I gotta say it like this because I'm a robot, and this is what I need to say because this is what I think I need you to hear, blah, 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 blah. That's my robot voice. <laughs> um, but so, so once again, going back to, what does your gut actually feel about this person? Rather than what the numbers and then the words on a cover letter says. Yeah, uh, and and I love that you brought back that you know, and again that's that uh, the silver lining of, of this time that we're living in is it's giving us an idea to rethink something. Because also one of those realities of like yeah, work doesn't have to look this way. One of those other sad realities is that uh, this pandemic has shown has really put it up front to teachers and people in education that. Um, that they can make more on unemployment. Yeah. And we, there's, I think is either in the state of Washington or it might even just be nationwide. Either way, it's a big number. 85,000 empty teaching spots. Mm -hmm. There's a shortfall in Seattle right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, and we've talked about this before, but a lot of what our society needs is often underfunded and underappreciated. And it, and then it, it, it re-perpetuates systems of sexism and gender roles of who needs to be at work and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. But the idea of when we're thinking about good fit, is our good fit something that this person actually is going to buy into also? Like, do they buy in? Again, I go back to the idea of what the organization vision is and what the sort of cultural components are does that individual coming in do they want to fit in or do they you know i guess i'm kind of tripping myself up but do they already fit in do they want to fit in is there space for them to just encourage to or for you to fit into them you know mm, yeah that, that reciprocal part because yeah. it's not just them fitting into your organization culture because that that's how we're we're talking about group think that's how we uh, perpetuate uh, inequities if we're looking for someone to fit this specific mode. But going back to what you were saying with the with the round peg, is is that round peg always going to be a round peg, or can it shift and morph into a oval, mm -hmm. uh, a square, so that you can fit more pieces into it, as opposed to it has to look a certain way. Yeah. You know, and I think about the right, one thing that's popping in my head right now is the idea of like Southern California native tribes, like back in the day, mm. there was, there was so many of them and they all had their own different language. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it, because they all also depended on each other mm -hmm. and there was reciprocate, uh, reciprocity, they also knew that they had to fit into each other's cultural dynamics yeah even if they were slight shifts 
And then I, I always blow my mind thinking about, well, think about like the brain power that they had of knowing the different dialects yeah. and languages around mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to trade and have commerce and to, and to be with, in relationship with one another. So how are you, how is an organization meeting that to an individual coming in? You know, how can we uh, learn more about that person and, and, and being in this reciprocal relationship um, when, when you are working with a particular vision? Reflection question number four. There are many different factors which can lead to one's departure from ECE. Pigeonholing people into gender roles, sexism, and lack of respect are just a few we just mentioned. Is your organizational culture that deeply rooted patterns of values, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors that are shared and passed on by groups over time? Is that one of them? And what is being learned and shared within your community? Are they also dynamic, symbolic, and systemic? Are there many different ways of being and doing, expressing and interacting, thinking and processing, valued, visible, and validated? What does the word community and community care mean to you? So speaking of vision, as we implement different ones, what type of fit, right, <laughs> are, are you looking for? Because I think that's kind of an abstract word people throw around, fit, mm. right? Fit can mean different things for different people. So maybe can you help us contextualize it by um, naming a goal that you have in mind? And then what type of culture will help you in achieving it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, as you were saying that, what came to mind, um, like-mindedness and or shared values as well. Um, and for better or worse, again, I think groupthink can go awry and be detrimental to progress uh, for equity and equality. But also, you need to have a group of people that sort of think not exactly the same, but have that shared collect- collectivism. Yeah, you know, I right. think about we're all traveling upstream, mm-hmm. but for you, you might be swimming. For me, I'm, I'm galloping. For another person, yeah. you know, there's different methods to get to the same location. We just don't all need to do it the same way. Yeah. Um, I think about a particular organization that we had consulted with, you know, wanting to be anti-racist and anti-bias, and at if you don't have your hiring or your HR teams on board with that Mm -hmm. and they don't see the reason why they need to apply that lens to their uh, job description, then, then maybe that's not a right fit. Yeah. Right. Like how do you then find people who do want to do that? Even if they are in a financial or HR side of things, it's again, like having like-minded thinking Knowing that we're all in this one direction, 
or going upstream and we can get there different ways. Um, but this is what we're, our goal is. It, it goes back to the alignment piece that we talked about. There we go. Right. Yeah. We, we can't say we value social justice as an organization and then go and hire someone who's radically opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, it can't just be with our educators. We need to make sure that we have people on board um, who who want to do that in your marketing, mm-hmm. you know, in your in your technology, uh, in your IT, in your um, uh, in your board, right? That I think that's a part of, uh, of that that we often don't think of. Even in accepting and, and applying for different grants, because I know sometimes we're just like, hey, we just need the money and we're going to apply for for everything and anything that we can get. But if a certain foundation doesn't line up with your principles, you got to have some sort of integrity in that. Yeah. And you, your question, well, I want to re-ask your question, but I liked what you said about the, you know, the grant writing piece of it. And what, and when we think about that philanthropic Mm -hmm. role that uh, early childhood often has to engage we, um, especially if you're in a community that is in that 90-10 model that I spoke of, where 90% of your time effort is put into seeking out grant funding year after year, and 10% you're um, trying to actually achieve your mission and vision, um, a lot of the times we write our grants to the language of the funders and in that we lose a certain amount of autonomy and that's an extractive practice there where they uh indirectly are extracting our own sovereignty and our way of being and rather than just coming to the table of like who we are we have to dress up ourselves and adjust our language to so that way we fit into your mold yeah to get your money or your a lot of times grants are disguised as gifts, but really is it a gift if you're having to put in all this time and <laughs> work into it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but you had asked me, you said, can, uh, if I can help by naming a goal that I would have in mind and what type of culture will help you in achieving it? You have an idea because I have an idea for you. Oh, okay. Uh, I think about your your outdoor preschool. Uh-huh. Um, that was a goal that you had in mind, yeah. and that is different from uh, historically where Daybreak was inside, correct? Yeah. All right. So how th- that was a goal you had in mind in bringing an outdoor nature-based preschool. Um, how, how did you go about it, and how did you go about looking for the, the people who have run that? Um, be associated with that Mm -hmm. and just kind of the the whole entire landscape, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh, the director before me was starting to explore some of that as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But a lot, a lot, uh, like a lot of the things that I have ran ran into at, uh, at daybreak is that there's generally, there hasn't been any evidence of those things left behind. Ah, and so then um, I get stuck with reinventing the wheel, so to speak, or having to just re-earth, or not even re-earth, because then I would know where it's at. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but more like, yeah, just kind of doing it, and then it's like, oh, well, we had this in place. or mm-hmm. But anyway, back to specifically with the outdoor program, 
um, we were we were fortunate enough to work to work with a funder who wanted to um, help us ex explore a an inquiry, and that inquiry being um, what during after this pandemic and after everything, or during this pandemic and, and everything going on, what does healing look like when we can reconnect children? more and families more specifically to the land mm. and even like to the history of the land specifically at discovery park and you know we're still going through that um and our our vision for that and our goal has has shifted because we we heard from the community and one of those things uh you know we had a community listening session and which is something that you and i talked about a lot yeah and so when i actually did it you know it um it was a it was a very enlightening process and and it helped me realize where my areas of growth were where i can adjust and reorient things and and that's where i had mentioned like you know visions need to be flexible Yes, I have a goal and I have a vision for this particular space in this program, um, but it is not necessarily set in its way. And so one of the biggest things that I came away with was that I should have, um, and it was a, it's a balance. I should have, con uh, I should have uh, met with the community first. And the community being a big, a lot of people, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and to like you know to 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 really thread out some ideas, and then the balance. The other side of that was like now was our time to strike while the iron is hot, and that we can like utilize the fact that some families want to just have an outdoor program that we um, we already had we had the funding then that needed to or that needed to kind of just get the ball rolling with it. Um, so, you know, I definitely, and what I understand about myself as a, as a leader in the organization is sometimes my eagerness blinds, blinds me to slowing down. And so mm -hmm. um, working with this uh, indigenous early learning collaborative that helped us get the funding for the outdoor program. Um, you know, I've been working with them monthly uh, and their leaders are mentoring me and they're like, reminding me that the process is the product mm. and that like yeah we might have a beautiful outdoor program and whatnot down the road but it's more important about how we get there not that we get there and what are we going to you know because that's going to be really the richest parts of things mm. um and then answering your question like how how did mostly i go about finding people was simply uh just throwing out um ads out on the uh and into the into the space and um you know we it was a it was a very minimal pool that responded and it it became like working with what we have at this point and and, and still throwing applications out there. Um, and even like, you know, the, the enrollment is a lot lower than I thought it would be. Like that was one thing I wasn't worried about, <laughs> but it turns out it was like the biggest, uh -huh. uh, it has been the biggest issue at this point. But, 
Um, I think overall with this process that I'm learning is that the, the vision and the goal needs to remain flexible and that this is, I want to see it as, and I hope to convey it as like a healing process um, in various ways. And that, you know, I want to focus on more of the things that I can do and not give a whole lot of uh, credence to the things that I can't do. Reflection question number five. The process is just as important as the product itself. Change can't succeed without the meaningful involvement of many people throughout the community. Regardless of the answer, direction, or the final decision made, do you believe your voice is being heard? Are your ideas, solutions, and reactions to the design or initiative or program being intentionally sought out? Or, if you're the one leading the charge, are you intentionally seeking them out? Change can be scary. Are there enough opportunities, creativity, and space to allow people to imagine what it will look like, what it could feel like? Most importantly, before you respond to proposed changes, are you keeping in mind the cognitive and emotional space you're currently in? Can you bring in more empathy to your work? Can you engage more in perspective taking of others in the community to help you relate to and work effectively across cultures and identities? That's it for today's NAPCAST. Come back next episode for part two and the continuation of this conversation.